Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. There is a common misconception that I hear again and again from people within the evangelical church when it comes to the concept of a Pharisee. Say, well, the church is filled with Pharisees, legalists. They they care so much about morality and they go around, you know, pointing out splinters in people's eyes, but but avoiding the the log, the plank in their own eye. Uh, First, it's important for us to understand because this sets up a false dichotomy. Did you know that the church has never had a monopoly on self-righteousness? See, that's what that presupposes, this idea that the church is, is the natural habitat for Pharisees. Like Pharisees, like the church has a monopoly, an exclusive deal with Pharisees. Pharisees only, only reside within the four walls of the church. If you think that, that the, the recycling, tree-hugging hippie in Oregon doesn't think he's self-righteous by his works, then, then you're crazy. That person is self-righteous. He is self-righteous. The rich young ruler, the the only difference is this. The rich young ruler, his self-righteousness in his outward manifestations of doing good was, was conformed with the culture of his day. And the culture of his day was shaped by the word of God, the Torah, the Old Testament, God's law. So, so the Pharisees in Jesus' day They were attempting to be righteous in their own works according to God's law. The Pharisees in our day, because our nation in many ways has rejected God's law, we still have a law. It's not whether but which. We have replaced God's law with man's law, so so we have a new set of morals, and people attempt to make themselves righteous by their own works, their own adherence to this new standard, to this new standard. You remember, we, we used to always hear about the moral majority, and then now we feel like, oh, man, we don't have the moral majority anymore. No, we do. We do. Just, just morality has changed. I mean, think about that for a second. Very few people within human history, right? Okay, maybe there's like the Joker, but even that, he's, he's a fictional character, right? Some men just want to watch the world burn. And what do you have to do? You have to write a fictional story to even find one guy who fits that bill. Now, here in the real world, not DC Comics, but in the real world where you and I live, nobody is sitting in a dark cave, twiddling their fingers, saying, Whoa, ah, 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 ah. maybe George Soros, you know, but, but apart from him, there's, there's, not, there's really nobody who fits that description. What I'm saying is this, the most sinister characters throughout human history thought always that they were the good guy. They thought that they were the good guy. They weren't weren't sinister according to their own standards, according to their own perception of themselves. They were the good guy. But what made their deeds so evil, whether it be Stalin, whether it be Hitler, whoever it is, fill in the blank, 
What made their deeds so evil was not because they, they, they actually thought they, they were the bad guy and, and were trying to do bad things. No, what they did was they replaced God's standard with their own standard and then tried to abide by that. And their standard, wherever it contradicted God's standard, it led to the opposite of what obedience to God's standard produces. Obedience to God's standard leads to life. Obedience to any other standard produces death and destruction. But they thought that they were the good guys. And so what we do when we preach not just the gospel, but when we preach God's law is we're holding up a mirror in front of people's eyes and we're forcing them, if only for the briefest moment, we are forcing them to be confronted with their own sin. And this is loving because for that moment, it forces them to be confronted with their own need for a savior. It helps people realize we need Jesus. I'm not a good person, and I'll never be a good person. I need Jesus, the only one who is truly good, the one who lived in my place and died in my place if I would only believe in him and trust in him and receive salvation by grace through faith as a gift of God, so that no man may boast. This is what we do. And when churches don't preach the law of God, they're not being humble. They're not being gracious. They're not being anti-pharisaical. They're not fighting against a legalistic spirit. No, what they're doing is they are hating people and damning them to hell. That's what they're doing. And as the people of God, we should be more concerned about being truly loving in the sight of God than being perceived as loving by the world. Because what it ultimately comes down to is this. It's just selfish. Many Christians, they would rather be perceived as loving by the world than actually be loving. That's like a parent who is so insecure and so heartless that they would rather be approved in the opinion of their two-year-old by giving them nothing but cookies and ice cream in their diet than actually love their two-year-old even though their two-year-old may not appreciate it in the moment. How trivial, how, how weak, how selfish How selfish of a mother or a father to say, my goal is for my two-year-old to think that I love them. No, that's not my goal. My goal is to actually love my two-year-old. And by God's grace, as he changes their heart and they grow up, they will come to see that as loving. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, and sometimes we need that old factor to kick in, and it takes some time, but when they are old... They will not depart from it. How many times has a grown child come back to their parents and said, I see now. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's the practical application. The spiritual application is the same for the unbeliever. How many times has an unbeliever come to Christ, eventually been converted, been saved, and they come back to that Christian that they once hated 
right? That Christian who told them that they were in sin, that Christian who told them that they needed to repent, that Christian that told them that they were never going to be good enough and that Christ alone is their only hope and they despised him and they hated that Christian in their heart, but by God's grace, eventually the word of God didn't return void. The person was saved from hell and they come back and say, thank you. Thank you for actually loving me and for not just simply doing what I would think was loving. See, when you only are concerned with with doing what someone thinks is loving, you're not loving them, you're loving yourself. And so when the church, when Christians are committed to preach not only gospel but law and gospel, what we are doing is we are loving our neighbor, truly loving our neighbor, according to the whole counsel of God. Thanks so much for listening, but real quick, before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.